If you have your Westover app, I invite you to join me. You can open that up, or if you have a Bible and you want to join us in Daniel chapter number 3. We're in a series entitled, Unshakable. And it's my firm conviction that for every one of us, every Christ follower, God wants us to be unshakable. This week, we're going to talk on the subject, When the Heat is On. How to be unshakable when the heat is on. Today, there's peer pressure. There is stress fractures. There's the pull of responsibility and the push of culture. And sometimes there's a collision between culture and our values as believers. And in those moments, we've, we, we feel the pull and the tension. There's a shaking in our life. God wants us to be unshakable. When life is shaking, believers don't have to be rattled. And I want to share with you an incident in the Old Testament that speaks to us today. It's about three gentlemen. Their name is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Many of you know the story. But for those who do not, let me set the scene. We're about 587 B.C. It's during a portion of time that you can read in your history books called the Babylonian Captivity. There in the Middle East, the superpower of that day was Babylon, and they conquered the regions. And typically when they conquered the regions, they put some of their leaders in charge, and often they took people groups from those countries back to Babylon, which is today modern Iraq and Iran, and they would serve, and they, they were trying to make all the people Babylonians to bring allegiance and adherence to Babylon. The king of Babylon at that time was Nebuchadnezzar. And he decided that he wanted to bring everyone under one dominance of Babylon. And he wanted them to reject their culture, their values, their religion, and everyone to be a Babylonian. So what did he do? He, he had constructed, erected this 90-foot tall image of gold that represented everything that Babylon was. And everybody would, would pledge allegiance, if you please, to, Babel, to Babylon. That, that nine-story image, he said, on a certain day, it was the moment you, that you were going to basically become a citizen, a full-fledged citizen of Babylon. And on that day, on that moment, they had bands playing. The mariachi bands were going, and everybody was parading by. And when you went by, you'd have to bow down. And here's what Nebuchadnezzar said. If anyone does not bow down, they're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. What does that mean? What they did is, is typically, according to archaeologists, they would, they would take a cave and sometimes they would hewn out a cave. And, and in that, they would, have, they would have these combustible materials. Now, this is the Middle East, so they even had oil there. So it, it could be, theoretically, it could be a, a, a furnace, a fire, just a, this, this cauldron of, of, of heat and, 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 and fire burning. And on the top, which was kind of the chimney, the hole in the top where they hewned out, uh, they would throw people in. And typically what they would do is they would disrobe people and they would be executed by being cremated alive. Why? It was to send a message to everyone in Babylon that if you don't follow the rules of Babylon, here's what's going to happen to you. And it would immediately strike fear and compliance in the minds of these people groups. Well, the day came. There were three men that refused to bow. Why? Because they were followers of Jehovah God. They said, we will not bow down. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego says, we refuse to do that. The Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar the king became so enraged 
that he, he said immediately, just impulsively, throw them in. And how do we know it was impulsive? Because the Bible says they were thrown in with the robes because they would typically disrobe them. But he was, he was so angry, he just immediately had them thrown into the fiery furnace. And that brings us uh, to our, our text right here. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. When they were told that they must bow down and worship, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. There's somebody here you're saying, I need to give in to culture. Oh, I need to go out to the club and with the buddies, and if I'm going to be successful in my business, i got to compromise my values. I need to do that. I, I need to leave the home. I'm never going to be happy in this marriage, and I need to get out of it. Here were three men that said, I don't need that. I don't need to succumb to pressure. You see, you see, God has an alternative when you reach your last resort. When you say nothing else is working, God still has an alternative for you. Verse 17 and following. It says, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Verse number 18. But even if he does not, notice that. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. What happens? They were thrown into the fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar, kind of in, in a smug pride, he went to check on them. He said, I'm going to personally witness to this so I can tell everyone in Babylon, you don't do this, here's what I did to the last three guys. He looks into the fiery furnace and he says, wait, one, two, three. Didn't we throw three people in? Yes, we threw three people in. He says, why is it I see four people walking in that fire unharmed? And here's a man that never had a Bible study, never read the Torah, never went online and Googled a Bible story program. But here's what he said. The fourth one, the fourth one looks like the son of a God. What we have there is we have what's called a pre-incarnate manifestation of Christ. Before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, there are moments in the Old Testament called pre-incarnate moments in which Jesus shows up and manifests himself in his presence in a very, in a very powerful and a very significant way and a dramatic way. And this is one of those moments Jesus showed up. So finally the men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, came out of the fire. And here's what the Bible says. They came out, the hair was not singed, their garments were not singed, and they did not even have the smell of smoke upon them. Wow. Wow. And it's teaching us something that when the heat is on, we can be unshakable. And from that story, I believe there's some insights that the Holy Spirit can give us and God's Word can reinforce today. And I want to talk to us about having convictions. Having convictions. What is a conviction? A conviction is a firmly held belief. It's a standard, it's a principle, it's a value that you have. A conviction is, I, I, am, I have this conviction, and, and, and you, you stand firm with your convictions. You're unshakable in your convictions. Now, convictions are, are different from rules. It's all right to have rules. Every home ought to have rules. Every person ought to have rules. But a rule is not a conviction. Now, I grew up in a home where we had rules. And sometimes I would ask my parents, why do I have to follow your rules? Why do I have to do that? And my parents would respond with this, 
Because I said so. How many of you parents went to that same seminar my parents went to and they learned that? You didn't ask. You didn't debate. You did it because they said so. It was the rule in the house. It was a rule. And, and one of the rules in our house was you're not going to sass. Oh, you don't even hear that word anymore, do you? But you, you were not going to. You were not going to sass. My mom and dad could deliver you from sassing. I'll tell you what. And they had a cure for it. And they always told me, if you sass, you're going to get a backhand. Now, a backhand, a backhand has nothing to do with tennis. It's not a swing of the tennis racket. A backhand is my mother could be doing dishes and you sass her and she could reach back there and swat you and still be looking at the dishwater. She could be driving down the road. You say something you shouldn't say, and she'd just reach out, and she could just, her arm like grew two feet right then. She could just, <laughs> she could just swatch you and correct you right then and there. You can't do that today. You have these headrests that just, uh, you, you, you just can't do that today. But that was the rule. It's all right to have a rule. Parents, you need to have rules. I, I listen to these interviews on TV, and, and, and some teenager goes out, and he's built a bomb, and, and some kind of, a terrible incident has occurred, and you ask the parent, well, I don't know. I thought it was a science project. Can I tell you, parents, one of the rules you have is you're not going to build bombs in my house. I mean, that's a good rule. Is that a good rule to follow? I'm going to know what you're doing, and one of the rules is you're not going to build bombs in my house down in the basement. That's not your territory. I make the payments here. I'm going to know what happens in every room of this house. Yes, rules are all right, but rules are not convictions. Opinions are all right. Some of you have an opinion on matters. Nothing wrong. We all have opinions. But you see, rules change as life, culture, and our kids grow. Opinions change by information. But an opinion is not a conviction. An opinion is something you'll argue for. A conviction is something you're willing to die for. There need to be these values that are of resolve. These convictions that you will not bend or blend in. You will not move. Can I tell you if you have opinions? You have opinions, your, your kids can wind you out of your opinions. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, mom, everyone does. Every, my friends do it and everybody's doing it today. And okay. And we give in because we just don't want to fight the war. Some of us, parents, let me speak to you. Some of us are going our kids are about to go into middle school. You're armed with an opinion when you need a conviction. You cannot fight a battle with an opinion when it calls for a conviction. And you need to be steadfast in your convictions. These were men that said, we're going to serve God. We will not bow. And even if God does not deliver us, there it is, a conviction you're willing to die for. You're willing to stake it. You're willing to say, I'm unmovable, but you're not, you're not going to negotiate. You're not going to be talked out of. You're going to stand firm in this value. It's a conviction. And there are three thoughts I want to deposit in our heart about convictions this weekend. The first one I want to share with you, if I can, is that convictions require courage and persistence. They require courage and persistence. Here's what Nebuchadnezzar said. Anyone who doesn't bow down is going to be in the fiery furnace. It requires courage in that. Let me just say to parents, you take a stand in the conviction, well, 
My son may get upset. My daughter may not like it. My buddies that I hang around with, they may not invite me to golf anymore. I, they, they may be rolling their eyes. I, I will become the, the kind of the punchline of jokes in the workplace. It requires courage and persistence. And every believer, if you have convictions, you're going to be tested. You'll be tested at school, home, the workplace, the co-worker, a family member, whatever your conviction is. And when you lay down, you say, this is what I believe God's word teaches. And we're going to follow God and we're going to follow God's nature and God's character. We're going to do what God wants us to do. It's going to be tested. It's going to happen. But we have to stand the test. We have to be consistent and persistent. Parents, be consistent. Don't give a yes today and a maybe tomorrow and then a no next week. Don't let dad give one answer. Don't let dad say yes and mom say no. That's trouble in home. That's divisiveness in home. We need to be together, parents, mom and dad on the same page. We need to be consistent in our values. There are some things that doesn't matter whether you're 5 or 25. If you're in this home, you sleep under this roof, these are convictions we have, and this is what you're going to do and have to follow. Establish convictions. I don't know if you've ever seen any of the Star Wars movies, but episode number four, A New Hope, there's a scene in that which Luke Skywalker tells Obi-Wan Kenobi, I want to be a Jedi master. He said, then I will train you. You need to come with me. So they said, well, we need to find a pilot to take us to this planet. So they find a pilot. His name is Han Solo. He has a friend with him, a buddy, and that is Chewie. And they, they pay uh, uh, the uh, fare to get there on the Millennium Falcon. They all get on the Millennium Falcon. At light speed, they escape. They're going across the galaxy. Then all of a sudden, they come out of light speed, and they're looking for this planet. And this planet has been obliterated. It's been destroyed. And they're saying, where is this planet? And all of a sudden, what is that? Is that a small moon over there? So the Millennium Falcon flies over there and gets closer. And then all of a sudden, there's this ominous realization. That's not a moon. That's a, that's a space station, the Death Star. And all of a sudden, there's an ominous voice that said, we better get out of here. He said, yes, Chewie, turn this around. Let's get out of here. And all of a sudden, they try to turn it around. And the Millennium Falcon begins to quiver and shake and tremor he said get us out here said i can't it has a tractor beam and it pulls them in the millennium falcon into the death star parents there is a death star out there called culture and it has a tractor beam and if you get too close to it and engrossed in it it will pull you in It's in Hollywood, it's in the political system, it's in the school district, it's in philosophy, it's in advertisement, it's all throughout culture. And it will invite you to not follow God's values. It will tell you the Bible is passe. There will be a YouTube video on it tells you how you can live out from under the restrictions. And every rule of God they'll call legalism. And you're set free from that. And you can do whatever you want, anytime you want. In fact, you don't even have to have Jesus. 
Jesus. You can have a spirituality that you self-invent and self-create that will fit you like a, like a designer suit. It will be tailor-made to you. There is out there a Death Star, and if you get so close to it, it will absolutely suck you and your kids in. And our only recourse against that is to have convictions to have values that say we will not go there. It requires, it requires of us courage and persistence. There's things that we just have to stand our ground on. We can't go into it with an opinion. We must have a value, a conviction. That's what God intends for every believer to follow his truth, follow what God is saying. Number two I share with you, right from our story, concerning conviction. Your best yes requires a firm no. Your best yes requires a firm no. Daniel 3 and 18, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego says to the king, we will not bow down, we will not serve your God. Why? Because we've already said yes to God. And when we say yes to God, we say no to the culture of Babylon. You'll never make us Babylonians. Amen. I want to illustrate this for a moment. We know what these are. We know what these cones are, these orange cones. You see them in construction sites. You'll see these cones uh, in driveways and roads, etc. It's saying stay between the cones or the cones will be there. Don't go in that area. It may be dangerous, hazardous material. Construction sites not complete. Just stay this side. These are barricades. These are to, these are to protect us, not to limit us, it's to protect us. And for just a moment, I want you to consider each one of these is a conviction. A conviction. It's a firmly held belief. It, it, it is a Bible-based value that we have. And we have a conviction here, and we have a conviction here. And we say, every yes to God means no to something else. Every time we say yes to God, we say no to something else. And here's how it works. Here's how it works. In God's word, in God's kingdom, the, the width of these is based upon obedience. And that is to say we obey God. God says, guess what? There's more liberty. Why? Because I can trust you. Obedience opens up and we have greater liberty. Because why? Because God knows we will not step beyond the convictions and the values. There are ten of them in the Old Testament called Commandments, thou shalt not go in this region, this area. In the New Testament, we have ten that are called the Beatitudes. Blessed are those that stay between the cones. You stay between the cones. You're, if, you'll, if you'll live within your convictions, you'll have blessing. But God says if you go outside them, guess what? You're not going to have our blessing. You're not going to have God's blessings. And here it is. We have some believers that say, you know, I do anything I want. And then all of a sudden they want to know, how come I'm not blessed? How come God's not protecting me? How come God's not watching over my stuff? How come God's not doing for me what he does for everyone else? Because you're outside of what the Bible tells us we can and cannot do. We're doing our own thing. And today in culture, here's what they're telling us to do. 
you've been set free from all this. And anything that has conviction, they're calling legalism, and they're saying just get rid of it. And guess what? You can do anything you want. Oh, there's no convictions. We do what we want. I can go. I can do. I can participate. I can have any lifestyle I want to have and go anywhere I want. And that's why there's brokenness. That's why there's addiction. That's why there's failure. That's why there's consequences in so many believers' lives because they have removed conviction from their life. And God is saying, if you'll stay between the cones, conviction. God says, in this zone, in this zone, there's blessing. But when you say yes to God, you're saying no to something else. Parents, you understand it. We get it. This is how we raise our kids. If our kids tell us the truth, guess what? We'll trust them with more. But if our kids deceive us, they tell us they're one place and we found out they were somewhere else. They tell us they're doing one thing and we find out they're doing something else. We discover something in their backpack. We discover something on their computer. What do you do? You narrow it. Same thing in life. And our kids have to learn. Guess what? If you want the cones to get wire, you want more privileges, you have to be trustworthy. You have to tell the truth. You tell the truth, guess what? I'll trust you with more. But if you ever deceive me, guess what I'll do? Parents, this is exactly what we do. We narrow the cones. That's how God is saying. God is saying we need to have these convictions that we live by. And in this zone, God says this is where blessing happens. And one thing we understand about convictions, you can't dabble in convictions. You can't dabble in convictions. You can't just pick it. You can't say yes to no, maybe tomorrow. You can't occasionally. You can't ever so often. You can't just in some areas. Well, you know what? Just don't drink as much. Just drink this, this amount. You know, I don't want you to live in with them. Just practice safe sex and just don't do this. You know? No. God has values, and God says, stay between these values, these convictions, and I'll bless your home, I'll bless your family, I'll bless your career, I will bless you in everything you do. But every time we say yes to God, there is a corresponding no that we must be firm in. Amen. Thirdly, and last I share with you, it's right from our story, stand with God. And God will stand with you. Take a stand, and God will stand with you. This is right from our story. Here's what Chadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said. We're not going to bow down. We're not, you're, you're never going to make Babylonians out of us. Now, I may be in Babylon, Babylon, but Babylon is not in me. I'm going to be separate. I can be in the world, Jesus said, and not be of the world. I can work in a place and be light there, and I don't have to be 50 shades of gray. Come on. I can have Christian values in every area because my conviction set my boundary. And if you'll stand with God, God will stand with you. They threw them into the fiery furnace, and then what does Nebuchadnezzar discover? There's a fourth one in there. Did we throw four? No, we threw three, but there's a fourth one. And the fourth one looks like the son of a God. Yes. God shows up. You stand firm and God will stand with you. And this is a word for every parent here. I admonish you. Take your values and establish them in the home. And for just a moment, I want to talk to our men. Fellas, hear me. I know sometimes we 
feel like we can and we're, we're troubled and we're conflicted and we don't want to be the ogre and the mean person in the home, don't just make a rule. Talk to your family and share your heart and your values and stand firm in those values. And if you'll stand firm, God will stand with you. And I've got a word from the Lord. I felt like the Lord told me to tell Westover this weekend, the ground you don't stand on, you're going to lose. If you don't stand firm in it, you're going to lose it. The ground you don't take, you're going to lose. And some of us are, are giving in to, to culture. Some of us are going along with the buddy. Some of us are going along with culture. And we're doing that to be successful and to have people like us and to get more customer service and, and just to be the good old person and likable by everybody. And here's a word from the Lord. The ground you don't take will be taken from you. You see, God wants us to be different. I can take a white glove. Take a white glove and stick it in the mud. The glove will always get muddy, but the mud will never get glovey. Right? we got to be different. And our values separate us. Our convictions separate us from the world. And I'm going to bring it down to this. We're going to have a prayer moment. I'm going to lead this audience in a prayer in just a moment. I want the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. And there are four things I'm going to ask of you. Four things I'm going to put before you. This is the big ask moment. I have an ask to make of you in four areas. I'm going to call it four on the floor. Do you ever drive a vehicle with four on the floor? Do you ever drive a vehicle with a clutch? You know what I'm talking about. You start off in first gear. Then about 15, 20 miles an hour, you put the clutch down, you shift to second gear. And then you speed up. Then you get about 30 miles an hour, and then you put the clutch down, and you go to third gear, and then finally to fourth gear. And when you get to fourth gear, you can whistle on down, and, and you can just, you can make speed, and you can, be, you can be on your way. But you cannot go 40 miles an hour in first gear. If you try to go 40 miles an hour in first gear, you're going to have the RPMs just going off the chart. You're going to be burning fuel and the engine's going to be hitting. And that's some of us. That's that, that describes the spiritual angst we're in. You, you, you feel like, fellas, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You feel like you're not a good enough dad. You're not a good enough provider. You're not a good enough Christian. You're not a good enough believer. In every area, the RPMs are going up, and you feel like you're overheating in every area, and you feel exhausted. It's time to make a shift. It's time to make a shift. Maybe you have the first one down. It's time to go to the second one, then the third one, and the fourth one. Four on the floor. Four things I'm asking of you to make a shift in your life. When the heat is on, don't give up. Don't let the engine overheat. Make a shift. There is a daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly ask I'm putting before you. Here it is. Daily, read the Bible. If I could get Westover people into the Bible daily, God can transform you. He can arm you. He can strengthen you daily. 
I'm not telling you how many verses to read or chapters to read, but daily get into God's Word. Put God's Word in your heart. You're going to hear me say this all year long. Get into the Bible. Daily read the Bible. Weekly. Weekly. Attend church on time. Yeah. Yeah. On time. I could double the spiritual input in people's lives in this room if you just get here on time. You wouldn't go to a doctor's appointment 20 minutes late. You don't go to the movie 20 late. You don't go, you don't go to the airport 20 minutes after the flight is taken off. And some of us regularly come to church 20 and 30 minutes late. When the King of Kings is in the room, the God of the universe, when His Word is being taught, his, his presence is here in worship and He's speaking prophetically and uniquely to people's hearts. We come in late and we wouldn't do it for any other cause in the world. And I'm here to invite you. I'm here to ask you to make this shift. Attend service weekly on time. Thirdly, this is monthly. Monthly participate in a life group. I, I, I will tell you, I'm not, I, would, I don't want to burden you with another busy activity. I'm not trying to put guilt on anybody's back. I'm not trying to get you busy in something that's not fruitful and productive for you. But I know the power of the body of Christ getting together, growing, and encouraging one another. I know what it's like. Galatians 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us we are the body of Christ. We gain strength from one another. And your story will bless somebody and somebody else's story will bless you. And sometimes that's the thing that will get you through the experience. Parents need to be sharing experience with parents. And whatever season of life you're in, you're in the life group and you're, you're walking through that together. Monthly participate in a life group. And then yearly, yearly attend a Westover conference. We have a women's conference so women can get a fresh word from the Lord. A student conference at the end of summer so students can get an experience of God that will rock their world. This Friday and Saturday is our men's conference. Guys, 7.30 here Friday. Yes. Why should I go to a conference when I go to church? What's the difference? Thank you for asking. I want to answer that. The weekend service is like filling up the tank with fuel. You need to do that regularly. Fill up the tank. A conference is like an oil change in a tune-up. You don't do that as often. But it's, you can't just drive the car and fill it up. Sometimes you have to come over here and you have to change the oil. And you have to do a tune-up. A conference is a moment set aside for God, for the Holy Spirit to just kind of get into our life and realign us, that we throw out the old and come in with something new and we, we make those, those life change. It exponentially advances us in our commitments and our, our understanding and our experience with God. It just kind of centers us again. You need weekly to be in church, but I'm asking you to give the Holy Spirit a moment to renew, to speak, to invade, to give you an experience that can be something that changes the trajectory of your life for the rest of the year.
That's my four requests. I'm asking us to be people who are going to be unshakable when the heat is on. And I believe the Holy Spirit can speak to your hearts. And he's doing that right now. So with, we can have a prayer moment. Every eye closed and every head bowed for a moment. And I ask Holy Spirit, personalize this. Holy Spirit, take these few timid words and personalize it. God, right now I pray in the name of Jesus that we will hear the admonishment of Scripture and the Holy Spirit to establish convictions. I pray for families that have kids in school today. They're facing issues and matters. There's a shaking in culture, and it's chilling and frightening. God, we have to be armed to push back against culture, and our convictions do that. I pray, God, that the Holy Spirit will weaponize families through their convictions, that when the enemy comes in with temptation and deception and delusion, it'll be the convictions that will keep the home solid and firm and healthy. I pray for families. I pray for couples. I pray for our men. Sometimes this, the, the, the men, we just struggle with that spiritual confidence to step forward and to take that step and take that stand. But I summons men to do that. I summons men to hear the, the call of the Holy Spirit to stand strong and God will stand with them. That's your promise, Lord. I speak this over the church. I pray there will be a daily, a weekly, a monthly, and a yearly reordering of priorities that we can say we're going to serve the Lord and honor God in everything. Oh, God, grant it. Oh, God, let us have the ability to withstand the, the temptation and the, and the headwind of culture. Oh, God, believers that will be led by the Spirit and walk in the Spirit. Believers that will live out the Word of God in home, in the workplace, and in front of others. Granted, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for being with us this weekend. God bless you and go in the love of the Lord.